Hi there, and welcome to the off-season preview edition of the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. And today we are joined by a special guest. Uh, he wrote for and then became the editor-in-chief of the now-defunct The Nats blog, RIP The Nats blog, which uh, in 2009, when I decided to become an insane Nats obsessive, was actually the first blog I read. So, uh, yeah, pour one out for The Nats blog. Anyway, uh, he's a man who needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. It's Andrew Flax. It's an absolute pleasure. I can't say how long I've dreamed of being on the Rash cast. Listen, you got, stand- us our, you got us our biggest guest. You got us passing. So. That's true. <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm really technically an executive producer of this podcast, if you yes. think about it. Yeah, if it's a meaningless credit, we're more than happy to give it to you. That's fair. I, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I mean, we haven't tried the, the negging as booking strategy again, but I think when the, the time gets really... We have a lot of time to kill over this offseason, and for some reason we've committed to trying to do an episode every week. Uh, every week, every week and a half. <laughs> whenever yeah. there's actual news to talk about. So yeah. uh, we may need your assistance in negging another national reporter. Uh, although I don't know if calling Ken Rosenthal short is probably the best way to go. I think he gets that a lot. We may have mm-hmm. to figure out another in there. And let's be clear, it's okay to be short. It is. It's some fine of us, if you're short. Some of us don't even have that choice. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've tried wearing, you know, six-inch heels, but... Uh, they make you look heel, beautiful, Jacob. They do. They make my legs look long, and... Okay, we're getting off topic <laughs> here. Uh, now, see, this... I, I got a, uh, a review from someone uh, this week who said the podcast was good because it was informative, but there wasn't enough banter between the Ooh. hosts. So now we're trying to step up the banter. Yes. The, the rash cast is cold and antiseptic. It's true. They're, they're pure business, and that's it. Well, I don't know how to do banter, and I don't know why anyone would want to listen to banter. Like, I would think that people would want to listen to a polished podcast. No, people love banter. It's, it's like fun. It makes, you, it makes them feel like they're in the room with us, mm-hmm. the, when really we are on a mountain peak high above them, and they are beneath us like little bugs. That sounds cold. I'd rather be inside in a room. But well, it's it's more of a metaphorical thing. I'm also, sorry, I don't track. On a mountain top, it's kind of windy, hard to record audio. That's true. Not necessarily. Yeah. This is a special mountain top. This is the podcasting mountain top. Yes, exactly. It's the mountain top where conditions are ideal for podcasting. This is precisely what I'm talking about. I yes. see. Okay. This is, this is banter. <laughs> yeah, this is three minutes of banter. Folks, and now... if you if you like this banter, go ahead and email therashcast at gmail dot com and let us know what you think. Subject line banter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that'll be a, a dead email because we don't have an email. Yeah, you address. guys should make that email before we publish this. We should probably do that and maybe create like a Twitter account and like actually try and promote this thing. Yeah. We had, I know, that's how I feel about it. People will listen if they want to listen. Well, Who am I'm I sure, but if I don't, they, I don't think that's how that works. That's like Coke saying people will drink Coke if they want to drink Coke. There was a <laughs> click call article from, uh, I, don't, I can't remember what brand it was, but it said, we've decided to stop advertising because people get the general idea. <laughs> yeah, people that, get the general idea of this. Exactly. You can't, oh. you can't not advertise. It's all about getting people engaged, getting people excited, loving the banter, loving the email, feeling like they can you know, interface with us, the three hosts of the Rashcast. 
Hey, don't try and insinu insinuate yourself into this yet, man. Hi, I'm Andrew Rash, and welcome to the Rash Cast. We have to wait to go. see how this goes. <laughs> if, if this thing gets anything less than the number of listeners we're expecting, not only are you not invited back, but I will continue to bully you on Twitter.com. It's going to get way back. more. That's how it works, Jacob. If you harass someone on Twitter, they'll come on our, come on our podcast. Oh, that's true. But only oh, if you no. do the one-two punch of one harasses them, and then two, somebody swoops in and says, go on the Rash Cast. Yeah, but you might ask yourself to go on the rash cast, so I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, okay, well we're so four, four and a half minutes, minutes into half this. Minutes of bantering. There we go. Uh, and now we've we've done all our banter. We front loaded the banter, so no more banter. Nope. I just want to be clear that like a lot of other podcasts will have like half an hour of banter. This they doesn't suck. have to be that kind of podcast. But see, this is why I don't listen to podcasts because they're they're fundamentally lazy. It's like getting a group of people in the room together and just letting them shoot the shit for like an hour. Now, just to sort of go behind the curtain here for all the folks who are listening, did you not say that you do precisely that before we started recording? You said, this podcast is precisely what I do or what we do when we talk to each other on the phone? Those pre-record conversations are privileged. You will be hearing from my attorneys. They're not. Uh, I, I don't know that that's true. Yeah, it is. It's, it's one of the recognized privileges. I would know. I'm in law school. He is in law school. That's fair. I don't think right, everyone well, knows that, though, but he's in law school. I don't think he's yeah. tweeted about it or posted. Or yeah, where where are you in that. law school? Let's get into uh, this. I am in the University of Michigan School of Law, where I am a 3L. And and, and what's that ranked as? Rankings-wise, where do you slot in? Well, so there's this uh, concept called a T14 law school, yes. and Michigan's even better than that. They're actually mm. in the top eight. So, uh, so T14 is just a fancy way of saying top 14? Yes, because apparently that needs abbreviation. Mm. It's very you know cumbersome to say top, so mm. we uh, we cut that off. T fourteen. It sounds cool. Awesome. It sounds like a fighter pilot, but instead it's a high class law school that sucks. Instead, it's books. Yes, yeah, so many books. I have uh, to bring this to tangen tangentially related to the Nats coverage. I. Uh, came back each of the last four weekends for Nats-related things. And because I couldn't get away with or justified to my parents not studying while I was home, I had to bring back all four of my textbooks. And now I'm pretty sure I have mild scoliosis. Uh, but you got to get in the gym, my man. <laughs> nah, I'll just put the rod up my spine. It'll be fine. All right. Seems like a good right. approach. Yeah, this is six and a six and a half minutes now. <laughs> Closing in on seven minutes of banter. I think people are really gonna like it. You're gonna see if you make that email address that people are gonna be very into the banter. They're yeah. gonna, they're gonna demand that I come back on. It's and possible. I will be forced to accept. It's possible that Johnny edits around this. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what Johnny, happens. Johnny, don't edit around the banter. Okay. Now we are going to talk about baseball because um, a lot to talk about with this off season. It's a very interesting off season for the Nats. It absolutely is. Uh, the Nats now are coming off of a World Series. Uh, Woo it's pretty awesome. We're very right. excited. Yeah, that you can hear the excitement in our voices. But uh, right. so, you know, they've got the World Series title, but they've also got a whole bunch of question marks. Uh, they have lost probably two of their three best players to free agency. Uh, in Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg. They can obviously re-sign them. And, you know, they, at least for one of those two, they've got to be considered the odds-on favorites. Uh, but at the same time, they've also lost a bunch of the sort of veteran glue players that led them to the title, Howie Kendrick, Gerardo Parra, uh, 
Not that I imagine Gerardo Parra. Estrubo Cabrera. Not that I imagine Parra and Cabrera would be difficult re-signs if they wanted to go that route. But the point is, there is a chance that this team looks substantially different than next year or than last year coming into next year. Uh, and there's also the fact that the Nets have a great deal of work to do this offseason just to sort of get themselves back to where they were in terms of talent. So I was wondering... Uh, and I'll pose this question sort of as an open-ended one. How are you feeling going into this offseason and whether or not the, the World Series title helps sort of relieve some of that stress that you might have been feeling about the offseason? So for my piece, I am, my favorite part about baseball is the offseason. I love the roster building. I love the speculation. Um, I love all the top prospect lists, which also happen to come out in December and January, uh, as anyone who follows me on Twitter will know well. So we only I'll, brought you on to talk about Andre Lara, so there's going to be a, a solid 20-minute Yadiel Hernandez. Right. Yadiel Hernandez is going to come up. I don't want to jump the gun, but Yadiel Hernandez is going to be discussed. Uh, but Spoilers. I, I'll say, for, for my piece as a fan, I've never had much anxiety about it. Uh, I think we've all been extremely fortunate to be fans of a team whose owners are profligate spenders. Um, and, you know, we have, I think, not too much doubt that they will spend up to that luxury tax limit, uh, especially coming off a championship, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as assembling a team, I have a similar thought where, yes, they're losing a lot of players, but they've also cleared about $100 million in salary. Um, I, I've, I've, I mused on this a little bit on Twitter, but they've got a ton of room, and they could easily bring back Strasburg and Rendon and fill out a pretty credible roster. Um, I, I think we'll get into specifically if they want to bring back one of those guys, both of those guys. But it's it's a it's an interesting offseason only because they have so many directions to go. I don't think of it as a an offseason where a lot could go wrong. I think of it more as they've got a lot of sand in the sandbox to play with. And I agree. I think, you know, in years past, they've been kind of self, you know, they've made themselves handcuffed by giving themselves this cap, especially last year when they were trying to build a bullpen, although they did spend on Rosenthal, just they spent poorly. Um, yeah. This year they have, again, that $100 million of, of flexibility, and I think they may be a little bit inclined to go a little bit over that now that they have all the extra money. This is just pure speculation, but now they have all the extra money from winning a World Series. You know, season tickets are you know flew off the, the, the charts this year uh, for next year, so they have a lot more money in the bank. Um, and the mass and money doesn't mean much because they've been accounting for that anyway. Um, well, so they've been accounting for it in deferrals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been accounting for it in this idea that they were going to have this future revenue stream. The Nets now have between I, – I, it's hard to say if they're going to count the mass and money as part of revenue this year or if they're going to account it towards you know, deferrals or if you know the fact that it hasn't actually been paid out yet means that they still don't count it at all. But – between the World Series and however you want to account for the mass and money, we're talking maybe $60 million in added revenue this year. And, you know, even without reinvesting it, they can still add $100 million in payroll and still be pretty much where they were last year. Uh, but if they consider that $50, 60000000 million as added revenue, uh, one of the interesting things to me is whether or not that keeps them from feeling like they have to defer contracts and actually lets them make the most competitive offer. Now, obviously, there's still advantages to deferring contracts. 
the net present value of money. Uh, obviously, if you're deferring contracts, you are keeping more money for yourself in the near term, which you can invest. Andrew's the expert on all that. Uh, yeah, point, don't invest explain to me. I know what I'm talking about. Way more than I do. I have no idea how money works. But <laughs> uh, the point is that there isn't really that outward pressure uh, in terms of the financials to make deferrals happen. And, and the Nats have a player in Anthony Rendon who both outwardly and sort of if you track his I don't want to play baseball for very much longer type logic might have some problems with deferrals. Uh, so hey, he said in the parade that he loves playing baseball. So. Yeah, and I, I tend to think that his whole I hate baseball thing is a bit that started off as a way to sort of piss off reporters uh, and get them to go away and has now it's sort of transformed in what, into what people view as his like big ideology. But the truth is the guy's made $50 million playing baseball already. If he didn't want to play baseball anymore, he doesn't have to. No. Uh, so I think he at least enjoys it a little bit. Yes, I doubt very much that Rendon will actually take one of those short-term deals. I Me think too. the only wild card there is that for some reason the Dodgers are really keen on those. I think you'll all remember the reports from last year that the they offered Bryce like, you know, 4 years, 180 million, so 45 million a year. Right. Um I mean I I frankly I think a lot of the logic in offering longer-term deals is knowing you're getting that value up front but defraying the uh the luxury tax cost. I think the Bryce Harper contract that he ended up signing with Philadelphia would like is an exact is an excellent example of that. I don't think the Phillies are expecting him to be, you know, still a twenty seven million dollar player in whatever the last year's contract is when he's thirty nine. But the fact of the matter is it lets them get, you know, presumably, hopefully, MVP caliber Bryce in 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. So that the short term big money contract thing just is I don't think it ever makes sense just because you're taking on a huge lump of luxury tax when you could take on, you know, $15 million less if you're willing to tack a few years onto the end. Yeah, and, and it's even if a guy like, like Even if a guy like Rendon doesn't want to play forever, like, he'd still rather take a six-year deal than a four-year deal. And it's odd to me that the Dodgers are the ones who are, you know, at the forefront of these short-term high AAV deals, given how much they like to game the luxury tax. I mean, that's... They're the, the team to quote-unquote, innovate the sort of cal salary mm -hmm. cap trades that you see all the time in basketball. You know, they, they made two of them uh, in the past two years. Obviously, the, the Adrian Gonzalez salary dump uh, in 2017 where they brought Matt Kemp back. And then uh, another one that also involved Matt Kemp where they uh, the, the trade of, of using Homer Bailey as ballast, receiving mm -hmm. him and then, then cutting him, as part of a way not to uh, even out, I mean, so the money of those trades were was, was even both times. It was a way to amortize that uh, money across two salary cap years. Nice finance term, amortize. Yes, and I think I used it correctly. You did, mostly. Uh, <laughs> I think I nailed it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, it would be curious to me to see how the Nats having all this new money affects their ability to sort of not have to structure those contracts so oddly. I mean, it's cost them in the past. Uh, it cost them with Hayward, which was, thank God. Yeah, I would say it cost yeah. them to their benefit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, still got Scherzer from it. Um, I mean, Harper, but I don't think that was... You know, they weren't making a good faith effort to sign Harper, frankly. Now, yeah. I disagree with that. I think they were putting a number on the table, and I think that if Harper had shown a willingness to circle back, uh, that they may have... I mean, $300 million, even if half of it is deferred until Bryce Harper's 1,000 years old, is still a reasonably competitive offer. I mean, it was not the low end, but I think if Harper circles back, instead of waiting two months... The Nats up that offer and, and make a competitive one that actually gets a deal done. But they had a lot of different priorities to fill. And I would say that they ended up probably being better off filling them the way that they did. Especially considering that Patrick Corbin had a better year than Bryce Harper for half the money. And through three scoreless innings of relief in Game 7 of the World Series. Yeah, Bryce Harper the won. three scoreless innings of relief. So No, Bryce Harper had a lovely time watching that game at home. Yeah. So, he did it. He brought a championship back to DC, and we're all very happy him. for him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's that's general thoughts on the off season. I think now it would be useful to sort of go position by position for the Nats and uh, mm-hmm. talk about their weaknesses and strengths and what they can do in the off season to sort of address them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so go ahead. Jeff. You know, going through position by position is interesting though because. Pretty much at every position, they're losing something. I mean, we're losing, you know, right now, we're down a starting pitcher. Um, we're at Strasburg. We have to completely build a bullpen, which is not a bad thing because the bullpen was terrible. Um, you know, we need a catcher. We need a first baseman, a second baseman, third baseman, backup outfielder, pretty much a full bench. So there's a lot of, you know, missing pieces in this team that can be refilled easily and rebuilt easily with, you know, Resigning some guys and you know, with, again with that financial flexibility. So there's a lot of missing parts because of just how many free agents we have. We have ten free agents. Ten mm-hmm. of our third, our forty men are, are gone. So yeah, and I, I think you can look at that as an opportunity, or you can look at that, you know. So circling back to the big broad conversation, just for a second, I think that had this team not, you know. It's always awesome to win a World Series. I agree. It, yeah, I, I enjoyed that part of the season. Where the I think Nats it's good when you Series. do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think this is the kind of logic that can really uh, be useful to a GM. It's good to win the World Series. They should have like a banner or something. If I don't get hired off of my appearances on the Rashcast, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. <laughs> well, also, am I allowed to curse? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably no one, no one's listening anyway. That's fair enough. You uh, can edit that out if you want. No, we're probably not going to. But, you know, now you've got these sort of dual aims that you have to sort of compete with. I mean, in some sense, they're not competing, but in some sense, they might be. Uh, You've got the end of building a competitive team for 2020, and then you've got the end of bringing everyone back and making 2020 as much of a victory lap as possible. And obviously, in a lot of ways, those aren't competing. Anthony Rendon is a great player, whether or not he's an emblem of 2019 or just your starting third baseman. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of smaller pieces that now are more likely to bring back than they otherwise would have been. Uh, And then there's the issue of Steven Strasburg, uh, who has opted out, obviously. And this is something we can talk about later, but there's another really, really good starting pitcher on the market, one who one could argue might be a better bet for 
2020 and beyond oh, yeah. than Strasburg. Uh, but and, one who lost game one of the World Series, which yeah. the Washington Nationals won. Really? They won that game and then three other ones. Mm-hmm. And, really? And Garrett That's Cole true. didn't appear at game seven. Folks, like, if listening at home, if you haven't heard about this, look it up. It's some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, go oh. on Wikipedia, type in 2019 World Series. I think you'll be pretty surprised by what you find and out. And then email therashcast at gmail.com and let us know what you find. Subject line, World Series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so let's start off talking about catcher. The Nats made an interesting move here. Uh, they had Jan Gomes on a team option for $9 million. Instead, they bought out his contract. Uh, for $1 million, and so now they have, it's hard to say a hole at second catcher, but they, with Kurt Suzuki, uh, you know, it's, it's a question mark as to how much of a load he'll be able to bear in 2020, given that he's a 36-year-old catcher with elbow problems. Uh, and a hip injury he suffered in game, what, five or six? I think it was game three. It was early on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so there's a question mark as to how much of a load he'll be able to bear, and a question of how the Nats should approach that second catcher spot. Uh, so I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts. So I, I think you led Rob to this perfectly, but I think you have to plan for this offseason and acquire a catcher who's going to be able to handle a like 100-plus game load. Mm-hmm. I, I think you've got to think about this as searching for, if not a full-time you know, JT Real Muto-esque starting catcher, I think someone you need to think about this role as primary catcher. I, I, I don't think that you can really count on Kurt Suzuki staying healthy, staying productive uh, at, at his age. So yeah, we can we can tick that. through this list of free agents here. Yeah. Um, but I think there are a few compelling options to be a a, a bit of a, a, a you know the other P in the pod for catchers next to Suzuki. Mm-hmm. I mean, the top free agent available is Yasmani Grandal at catcher. I mean, he is arguably the top three catcher in the league game right now. Um, took a one-year deal last year with the Brewers, and now is hitting the market again without the qualifying offer, which you know has you to believe he'll get a good deal. Um, so Grandal is... And also, uh, Wilson Contreras is available by a trade, which is Maybe. very interesting. Who knows? No one knows what the Cubs are going to do. Exactly. Um, but I have to think that leak was because like he and Ross don't get along. I, I really wonder if that was the driving force. Interesting. They're not talking about dealing any of their other like good young players unless you count Bryant. Yeah. But I, I have to think that was like a, a Ross and Contreras don't get along type of leak. It's interesting. Yeah, um, I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but it might be. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the problem with hiring a manager who was a player for you four years ago. I mean, he's he knows all of the players. They all already have relationships with him, and and you know, for some of them that's great, but for other ones, like there's petty bullshit that you have to contend with. It was a, a, a weird hire, and I don't know what it signals as far as the Cubs' offseason plans. It's really hard to know. They what just wanted doing. to hire a friend. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe Anthony Rizzo was lonely or something. Mm-hmm. They just want a baseball pal, and you have to respect it. Well, that was the whole idea behind Madden, and that's what they hated about him. <laughs> they, they said that Madden was two hands off, so they brought in baseball pal David Ross who is either going to have to like shift gears and become a hard ass and have to be Mr. Manager or you know he's going to be baseball pal too. Mr. Manager, we just say manager actually. We just say manager. Uh, it's just manager. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> Getting back on topic. Yeah, so I, I think Contreras is 
you know, if he's out there, he's obviously one of the better options. I think maybe I just don't I don't know how we can get him. I mean, we don't have the prospects pool to get him. I mean, Flax will know more than me about this. So but... I'll I'll say this. I think that if he's available, he's got to be a bit of a distressed asset. So for for the great hitter that he is, I think he's not an awesome defender. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if you look at his performance over the last few years, he's never busted like two point. He, I mean, he's two point seven wins this year according to Fangraphs, and that was his best season ever. Um, even at like a one twenty seven WRC plus, that that is like still pretty low. So he's he's a terrific player, and I think pretty cheap. So I imagine the team that's going to pony up for him is going to be a team that's up against the luxury tax, which, you know, if the Nationals re-sign Strasburg and Rendon, they could be, but otherwise potentially not. Uh, so th- this is all to say, if the Nationals really wanted to pony up for him, they could. I just think it might be too painful to be worth it and, you know, over-index a little bit too much to the present. I think a package might have to involve, you know, a Jackson Rutledge, a Luis Garcia, um, anyone besides Carter Keyboom uh, has got to be on the table there. And I think... With the, with the farm system as thin as it is, I don't see them making a a splash acquisition, even if Contreras is a little less valued than you might think as like ARB eligible, you know, great hitting catcher. Well, yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you as far as you know, not not even looking at the catching metrics. Uh, Contreras is very jumpy behind home plate. Uh, just from watching him, uh, he has a tendency to. Uh, over frame balls in a way that doesn't actually buy him strikes. This is just from a scouting perspective. Uh, and he doesn't seem to have a great feel for his pitchers. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure if you looked at catcher ERA, that might bear something out. But, there, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that, uh, you know, John Lester axed off of him and had Ross catch him at 16. Uh, and Lester always seems to have a personal catcher instead of Contreras. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that's the be-all, end-all. Like, I, I think that Wilson Ramos happens to be an uh, underrated defensive catcher, and Noah Syndergaard asked off him. Uh, it, it's often you know, relating to a pitcher's specific strengths. You know, with Syndergaard, he's sort of a, a sinker baller, and uh, while Ramos is pretty good at framing the high strike, not so great at the low one. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't heard good things about Contreras' defense. One of the things that I think might be interesting, and this is completely out of left field, uh, Sal Perez as a possible buy low trade candidate. He's still got a very cheap contract. Uh, you know, he's got obviously, uh, a great defensive reputation. He's coming off of Tommy John surgery. Uh, and he's, you know, a middling hitter, doesn't walk a lot, has decent power for a catcher. Uh, but in terms of a guy that you could see, if he's really healthy coming off of Tommy John, being able to handle an 100-plus game load, I mean, Sal Perez is pretty much the poster boy for handling huge loads as catchers. Yeah, I mean, he, he has handled, you know, outside of this year when he's hurt, 129 or more games every year since 2013, right. um, which is a huge, you know, asked for a catcher. He was a guy who I wanted the Nats to target last year, last offseason. Um, and I think he'd be, you know, one of that guy who you could put with, slot with Suzuki. Um, his last season, which was 2018, his offensive numbers were pretty pretty bad. Um, he hit for power, but again, no walks, hit pretty low averages, lowest career average of 235. Um, you know, had an 
OPS under uh, at 91, which he's had around to around uh, his four of his last years have been actually uh, three of his last five years have been at 91 OPS plus. Um, so he that's pretty good for a catcher, especially yeah. one with a, a solid defensive reputation like Perez and a guy who can play every day. Yeah. You know who's someone I would like the Nats to go after for catcher is is uh, someone we saw in the postseason, in the World Series, Robson Torinos. Uh, yeah, Torinos was a three. Uh, B War had him three three point eight war, uh, wins this year, and he's a great offensive catcher. I think you know his skill sets are similar to Suzuki that they're bat first catchers. But well, that's the interesting thing. I mean, Torinos has always been regarded as a below average framer. But the Astros seemed to work their devil magic on him this year, and it seemed like he got a lot better. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think he would be a negative defensively. And the other problem is he is a lot older than you think he is. Yeah, he's 36. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the last it, two years, he's caught, last year he caught 113 games, this year 114. So I, don't I know, he, but having two 36-year-old catchers as your only two catchers uh, not to disrespect Rowdy Reed, but uh, uh, and Trace Barrera, thank you very much. That's right, both are on the forty man. Uh, both get a ring. Yeah, hey, Rowdy Reed was on one of the playoff rosters, and Andrew Stevenson uh, scored a pretty huge run, so he gets a ring too. I'm on Team Andrew Stevenson. We'll get that when we get to the outfield. Yeah, outfield uh, options. Uh, so what I think they're. One other point on Chirinos. This is a smaller thing, but he is actually good friends with Juan Soto and Victor Robles. Well, that was like a weird storyline in the World Series, but they are like close and they text. So, aw, so you could cute. imagine Chirinos wanted to come play with them, maybe on a, a one or two year deal. Yeah, and Chirinos is the second best catcher on the market, obviously behind Grandal. So if you don't want to go huge, I think Chirinos would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mean, the, the only concern that I'd have again is that. He's 36 years old, which, you know, expecting two 36-year-old catchers to approximate. I mean, I know that they were both very good offensively at age 35, but catchers generally don't age well, uh, so that would worry me. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I think I, I personally think that Grandal is one of the most undervalued players in the game. Mm-hmm. I think he's a terrific framer, a terrific hitter. Uh, maybe it's just because pitchers don't like throwing him that much, but I, I think he's a fantastic value. I mean, you if you look at MLBTR's free agent predictions, they've got him getting less money over the same term than Madison Bumgarner, even though he was two wins better than Bumgarner last year. And, I mean, that's that's not an aberrant performance for him. Uh, and you'd have to think it could be even higher if you account for, uh, if you fully account for the value of his framing. So I, I'm all in on Grandal. I love him. I think if Rendon goes elsewhere, I think... It would be fantastic to get Grandal, but failing that and failing, you know, getting the Cadillac of this position, somebody like a Chirinos or a Castro uh, is like a fine, you know, yeah. seven reliable, million, eight million dollar player just to reliable play Dodge Stratus. Exactly, <laughs> car that'll drive. It'll get you where you need to go. Four wheels and goes. Uh, uh, so moving on to first base, this is the position where I think that the Nats can be afford to be the most sentimental. Uh, yeah, I think the. The, there really aren't, with the exception of maybe Eric Thames, who they could absolutely bring in, mm-hmm. uh, who had, really surprisingly to me, a $7.5 million option declined, uh, and now he's a free agent. Uh, I mean, bringing back Howie Kendrick and Ryan Zimmerman as first base pals 
it just it seems to make sense from both a sort of relive the magic of 2019 type perspective and just the best available options. I mean, that the best free agent first baseman is Jose Abreu, but everyone seems resigned to the fact that he's going back to Chicago. And also, he's not good. No, yeah. he was not good this year. And also, with a de-juice ball, which is possible next year, I could see him hitting like 14 home runs and really, really struggling. It's possible. Who knows that the ball is going to be de-juiced? It seems like to me that MLB's real problem is that they have absolutely no control over the baseball anymore. Which, I mean, you would that think that bad. when you when you buy Rawlings and manufacture the baseballs yourself, that you would do a better job controlling them. But, uh, I don't know. I, I like to think that Rob Manfred is sitting there inspecting every single baseball and grabbing the seams and just doing a terrible job of it. That is what the commissioner's job is. They pay him $25 million a year to be a baseball inspector. Well, he's got to sign each one individually. You would expect that he'd inspect them, too. I don't think he does all the signing. But there's no way of knowing. It's his signature, isn't it? It's impossible to prove. Uh-huh. You're telling me it's a Forger. stamp and that everything I've believed is a lie? Yes. I'm telling you both of those things, yes, separately. <laughs> but so for first base, but I think I think we're all in, in pretty agree, pretty strong agreement. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't agree here that Ryan Zimmerman's coming back. One year, yeah. maybe five, six million dollars. Yeah. He'll be your first baseman. Uh, you know, you'll do the classic Ryan Zimmerman song and dance where he's hot and he'll sort of start getting more playing time, but he'll be hurt a lot. Uh, he'll be struggling for a few stretches of the season. When he's uh, hurt. Exactly. And so you'll need a pretty strong platoon candidate. So that's been right. the, the Clint Robinson role, the Adam Lind role, the Matt Adams role. Air but piece. I think this year you've got you've to invest more so than ever, mm-hmm. given, you know, Zim's only getting older and only getting more injured, frankly. So I, I think I think Thames is like a fantastic option. I've said this a few times, but I think he'd be a perfect platoon partner. I think if you can give him six or seven million dollars, maybe maybe even like two years, nine million or something, uh, he'd be a perfect match. He's a lefty with a big platoon split, so if you put him up against righties, he'll he'll do damage, and you can shield him against lefties with Zim. Right. Uh, another guy who I I will have no idea if he's on the block or not, but who I would love to to get just because he seems like a fun guy also is g-man Choi on the raise mm-hmm. um another lefty who rakes uh in his his last two seasons i guess across you know a little over a season's worth of games he's put up like a a one uh, a high 120s wrc plus so terrific hitter um seems like he does some fun antics which i love um and he's pre-arb so he'll be extremely cheap i mean so, you got to assume that's the problem though uh, if he was ARB eligible, then you would say that he's obviously available because he's on the Rays, who have cut two perfectly useful ARB eligible players in the past two years mm-hmm. in CJ Crone and Corey Dickerson. Uh, but since Choi isn't ARB eligible, you got to imagine that they'll hold on tight uh, at least as long as they can. Uh, I mean, I don't know. As long as he's cheap, I got to imagine the Rays will keep him. But, Potentially, yeah. but they've also got a thousand minor leaguers who could fill the same role. They've got uh, a thousand interchangeable parts who can all play every position, which is what do. makes them good and what makes them impossibly boring to watch. But so if they've got they've got Troy in his last pre-arb year, but they've also got so they've got Brandon Lowe and Nate Lau, I think it's pronounced. Other way around. Damn it! So they've so got close. Nate Lowe is like minor league G-man Choi, you know. 
lefty first baseman uh, top prospect hit pretty well in his major league debut last year it's not hard to imagine that between him and uh, every other like weird minor leaguer they've got and plus all the like weird positionless players in baseball who cycle through there uh, that they could be persuaded to move on from Choi. And they I, moved on from Jake Bowers last year. So yeah. In terms of moving for his baseman for exactly. other interchangeable parts. It does happen. I think that you can you could potentially give them a call and see if you can't prime away. I don't think it takes a top 10 prospect. Oh, in, God, no. Maybe, no. In, maybe in this system where you know the, the prospects are – it's not so deep. Um, like but I don't know. Maybe, maybe you send them a uh, – I, I yeah. think even like a Sterling Sharp might be a little steep, but but someone in the like fifteen to twenty range in your top prospects. I don't even know if it would take. I mean, yeah, a Wander Suero or a Tanner Rainey type, someone that they could add to their bullpen. Yeah, I think I think we need those guys more than they do. Yeah, they but have, I'm not confident. They have seventy five relievers. The Nationals them. have one and a half. I'm not confident that the Nats can make anything out of Tanner Rainey or Wander Suero given their track record. Uh, well, they are, Rainey, Rainey was okay. I think Rainey's already a useful guy. Yeah, Rainey walked Rainey. 7.2 batters per nine last year. I don't but understand. he threw very hard, which is what you're forgetting. <laughs> yes, and sometimes it, like, went in places that he did not anticipate. For instance, I think he had, like, three walks of the pitcher. What which... are you, a perfectionist? He's throwing the ball. He's doing his best. Yeah. Is he, Stop though? Stop a hard ass. Yeah, leave him alone. No, if he was boy. if he was fun like Henry Rodriguez, then I would leave him alone. But for some reason, he isn't fun. I don't I don't like him as much as Henry. He's Rodriguez. fun because his stuff is absolutely nasty, and because he looks like Adam Lind. All he has to do is throw the ball in the zone. Like when he's effective, his fastball is center center, and it doesn't matter because it's 101 miles an hour. But he can't even manage that most of the time. So could I, you do it? I'd like to see you throw a strike. I think I could throw. I mean, not with a batter present, but I think That's I could I throw. Thought. I think I could throw as many strikes as Tanner Rainey. No, I don't know about that. But yeah, I guess uh, that'll have to. The next episode of the Rash Cast live episode at Tropicana Field. Me throwing Jacob strikes. Throws a strike. uh-huh. Jacob throws one strike. Yeah, like forty-five minutes. So. I could throw a strike. It's not hard. I've seen it done before. Anyway, back to first baseman. This episode is going to end up being like five hours long. It's a terrific episode. Just great great. content. Really terrific. Tampa Bay's got a ton of first baseman. I could see them dealing Choi. And they have a million relievers. If we want to, when we get to the bullpen, I'm sure Tampa Bay's got some relievers the Nationals could be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, So the next position is second base, uh, where the Nats made do with a sort of quasi-platoon type thing of who's ever hot uh, with Brian Dozier, Howie Kendrick, and uh, Struble Cabrera when they brought him in in August. Uh, now they've got Carter Keeboom, who you know is sort of considered to be ready uh, Prospect, 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 prospect. But he looked so bad in his little cup of coffee in 2019 that I would have sort of reservations about handing him the spot. Uh, so how are you all feeling about second base? I like Keyboom at second. I think, and again, juice ball and all, and you know, thin air out west. But he had a fantastic year offensively in AAA. Um, and, yeah, he looked 
incredibly over. I've never seen someone look so overmatched uh, coming up to the majors than Keyboom. I mean, in a week of playing time, 11 games, he managed to have negative one win, uh, which is just so impressive. Yep. It's just, you know, how can he be that bad? But then in AAA, he hit three, he hit, who's almost a 300, 400, 500 player, um, which is very impressive. Uh, you know, he he's a guy who I think could be ready. He's going to be 22 next year, um, and that's that's about the time you you put him in the water and and see if he's he's ready to to play for us. Um, he, he unlike most of our other prospects, I mean, Robles didn't really struggle out the gate. Juan definitely didn't struggle out the gate. He did, but then going back down and not struggling in AAA, I think is a huge step for him. He didn't let that you know his bad stretch in the majors carry over. Um, and so I think I, I feel comfortable handing him the, the reins at second um, and seeing what we have in him because I I, I think you got to just go for it at this point and see what you got in him. I mean, he's our well, top see, topic for a reason. That's why I think it's important to bring Howie Kendrick back. Yeah. Because uh, Kendrick would have a place on the roster even if Keyboom was the starting second baseman. But if Keyboom starts to struggle, I mean, Kendrick still can't play every day. He's 36. He has bad legs. Uh, that's a great way of putting it his legs are just no good they're bad legs i think he would admit that as much too i mean he's got he had hamstring issues all year last year he was coming off of a torn achilles he he just he can't handle an everyday workload but you know with his positional flexibility he still can battle three different positions i wouldn't say play them uh but i think that a guy like him would be useful because He's a guy you can stick on your bench, a guy who can start at any one of three positions if necessary, and if you've got a problem at second, then he can jump in and start at second. I feel similarly about Esdrubal Cabrera. Mm-hmm. I, I think people forget a little bit that he was actually quite good this year. He was terrible in Texas and it got him cut, but he was terrific with the Nats. And he similarly has that, that two-fold role where he is not only a, a sort of second base insurance policy, He's also your backup shortstop because I assume you don't want Wilmer Defoe playing short if Trey Turner goes down. No, um, that didn't he, work out so well this year. Yes, he can he can play all over the infield. Um, if the, I mean, looking at the Nationals bench, they need somebody who can be a backup shortstop or at least a like backup, competent middle infielder, so you could shift over Keyboom to short if Turner gets hurt. But I, I think Cabrera is a terrific like starter adjacent middle infield option. You know, maybe an older player, maybe maybe he wants to play every day and then he's going to price himself out of the Nationals range, but uh, he's still really useful. He's still a league average hitter who can stand in the middle of the infield, which is really, really valuable. Well, I don't know that I would want him playing shortstop for an extended period of time. And, and to your point about, uh, since we're not going to talk about shortstop here, uh, because it's not a position of need, there is this 26th man on the roster now. Uh, there's a 26th roster spot and I think it is very important for the Nats who miraculously managed to get by for three months of their season without a backup shortstop on their roster I think it's important for the Nats to carry even if it's an all field no glove or all all glove no hit type shortstop they need someone who can handle the position I mean I don't know if that's Adrian Sanchez or someone from outside the organization uh, or I guess Wilmer Defoe but I'm not very high on him uh, they need someone on their bench who can handle the position of shortstop on the full-time basis. I mean, the, well, the problem... I, I think Keyboom's a shortstop by training. 
Yeah. You could easily say that Kibum is sort of your quote-unquote backup shortstop, and yeah. then if you've got a backup second baseman on the bench, then you've got that insurance poly in the same way. But I, I, I agree. I think you can't keep living like the Nationals have been with just like dangerously. And he, he weirdly breaks a bone, and then you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. The uh, problem he is probably that, not try and bunt ever again, though. The problem is that on the free agent market, there really isn't many options. I mean, you got Didi, who's going to get a full-time gig somewhere, and then Jose Iglesias, who will probably get paid decently. You know, enough. To I like, don't know. I mean, he got a minor, minor league, league deal, deal last, last year. year. That's true. Um, so, I mean, Iglesias could be a guy you bring in. Uh, That's who he, I was thinking. Yeah. But apart from those guys, the very, very thin middle infield market. Um, so, I don't know. Sure. Um, uh, our, well, let's move past shortstop. Let's go to third base because that's an interesting one. Yeah, I think there's only one answer here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Josh sign Donaldson. Anthony Rendon. Well, <laughs> here's the problem, though. I expect Josh Donaldson to come off the. Here's the problem with this whole free agent market in general. Six of the top eight guys are Boris clients, and Boris clients like to wait out the market. Josh Donaldson is not a Boris client, and Josh Donaldson will probably jump early. I would think. I don't mm. think he'll wait until Rendon signs. Uh, so maybe Moustakis will still be available by the time Rendon signs. But Mike Moustakis are... refuses to sign until February every year. He will 100% well, be available. That's, that's because he's never. Yeah, that's because he's never getting a contract that he deserves. Like he would sign early if someone offered him a multi-year deal. But if it's going to take till February for him to get 10 million dollars, yeah, he's going to wait it out. Uh, I just, there are timing issues with this, but obviously the optimal scenario is the Nats re-sign Rendon. Yeah. And I, I think the way that you do that is I think you push hard early and see if you can't get in the ballpark. If you know that, so there's going to be a logjam at third base, even if a guy like Donaldson signs, I think people, you know, players like Moustakis and maybe some other infielders as well are going to wait and see if the losers of the Rendon Derby come, you know, taking their dollars to them. So I think you're likely not going to get left out in the cold if you chase after Rendon. But the but the Nationals, I think, had a lot of success in striking early last offseason when they signed mm-hmm. Corbin so early. I think they signed Suzuki pretty early as well, and they traded for Gomes. Um, so I, I think what you do is you, you, you start that conversation. You see if you are a real competitor. If you're not, you pivot quickly, and you start spending the rest of that money elsewhere, ideally on Grandal. Or if you are, you wait it out, and then if you miss out, maybe you you pick up the pieces afterwards and you, you stick around and pick up whoever got uh, stuck in that logjam. I just don't see there, there being a scenario where the Nats realize early on that they're not going to be players for Rendon. This isn't Bryce Harper. Uh, the Nats are, as Tom Boswell put it in his chat, you know, if they went 80 to 90% hard after Harper, they're planning on going 100 to 110% hard after Rendon. Mm-hmm. I, I just, with all this money available to spend with Rendon being the clear best option at third base, a position where the Nets don't really have any other internal options. I just, I don't see them. What about Drew Ward? Oh, yeah, yeah, Drew Ward or Drew Mendoza. Drew Mendoza is the first baseman now. Yeah, but he can play third if you need him to. That's Cuban true, but he's can also play third. Way. Yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, you still need a second baseman. Uh, play so, I just... I just don't see a situation where the Nats know they're out of the Rendon Derby in November uh, and can move on because, I mean, they're going to be competitive. The big question is, the only way I really see them losing the Rendon Derby uh, is either if a team like the Rangers decides to give him $300 million uh, or 
if they insist on structuring a contract creatively with deferrals and Rendon doesn't accept that and he gets the same money with no deferrals elsewhere. But apart from that, I mean, there's no reason the Nats shouldn't be right in there and, and win the, the Rendon Derby if they want to. But I think we've said that before and I think we've been wrong before. So I like, yes, totally agreed. They, they ought to be right in the thick of it, but I, I certainly wouldn't put them as the odds on favorite. That's fair, uh, and we'll get to that when we do our top 20 discussion afterwards. I mean, there have uh, been very few free agents that Nats have heavily sought after who they didn't ultimately get. I mean... There have been a lot of them. I would disagree. Yeah, I would say Hayward's a great example. Yeah, but... Mark Jonas Espos is a great example. Well, Teixeira was before, you know, they were good. Man, all of these worked out really well for the Nats. Prince Fielder... Every single contract they didn't sign was a great idea. Exactly. Zimmerman's extension. Zimmerman with two ends extension. Right. Desmond extension. Desmond's extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they, when they, they tried f- to extend uh, Trevor Rosenthal in the middle of spring training last year. I mean, anytime you get a chance to have that guy around for the next 15 to 20 years, you got to take it. And he turned it down. What a mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree. The Nets have had really good luck with deals and non-deals. And there is maybe a sense that a Rendon deal will not age well. Uh I think based mostly on his injury history. I don't agree with it, frankly. I mean, my argument there, that's what I've said a couple of times, is that he's a guy, when he gets a small knicker bruise, he's out for a while. I mean, he got hit by a pitch and it kept him out three weeks this year. Um, you know, he doesn't heal quickly as it is, as a 31-year-old, 30-year-old. And he's 29. 29 he's 28 sorry. this year. 28-year-old. And Ancient, I, like a skeleton. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it's just kind of hard to see him, you know, healing quickly as he gets older and those things start catching up to him a little bit more. Perhaps, but on the other hand, in terms of the type of player he is, where he's a, a quick wrists react type player with a yeah, great eye. Yeah, healthy, he'll be good, I think. I don't think his skills will diminish. Right. So, I mean, there's a chance that if you're betting on future injuries and all of Rendon's injuries have been weird, like it's not like he's Ryan Zimmerman with like these big structural body injuries where he's got like a torn labrum and like uh ab injury that forces him to recreate his entire swing, like and plantar fasciitis in both legs, man, Ryan Zimmerman is just like a walking medical case study. The band uh, is held together by duct tape. I don't even know how he wants to keep playing and not just like sit in a warm bath for the next 30 to 40 years. Uh, But Rendon's injuries, you know, they've taken him time to recuperate from, but they've all been weird fluke injuries Uh, and they're non-structural and they're not like, I mean, betting on them to to keep recurring just seems like a a weird bet to make to me. Yeah. Here's, I'll, I'll wrap third base up discussion up with this. I want both of you to handicap this. What are the odds that someone not named Rendon, Donaldson, or Boustakis is playing third base for the Nationals in 2020? I think... 10%? I think 30%, and I think if we're in that zone, that things have gone badly. Oh, yeah, of course. If we don't get one of those three guys, you know, our options are thin. Now, the one option I've left field that I was talking to a friend of mine with is possibly getting Didi Gregorius and putting him at third. Sure. Putting him at second and putting Kibum at third. Sure. Either also way. possible. Yeah. So that's another option that, you know, could. I mean, Didi, I don't know. Most of the contenders don't need a shortstop right now. 
And so yeah, he, but we're talking we're talking Plan C and D. Options yeah, that's here. that's all the way down the list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so outfield, the only thing really to discuss is, I guess, whether or not you bring back Michael A. Taylor. Uh, no. No, he's, no. He's, it's a $3.4 million contract, most likely that he would get as a 3R player. Uh, maybe less. I don't know. He might not see a raise at all. But I wish him well It's going to be in that. Yeah, exactly right. The Cleveland, where the outfielders go to die. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I, I mean, you're going to need a backup outfielder. Andrew you probably find one. Andrew Stevenson. Well, you need Andrew so here's Stevenson. what you need. You need um, uh, maybe you don't need these in, t- in these two specific slots, but you're gonna have two backup outfielders, and you need somebody who's a lefty who can mash, and you need somebody who can play center field. Uh, yeah. So I think like a Matt Joyce is a perfect fit. Matt Joyce has been raking for the last few years, even though he's old, been signing one-year deals. Perfect like lefty bench outfield option. Mm-hmm. And then as far as center field, how about Adam Jones? Keep yeah, Adam Jones cannot field. handle center anymore. Yeah. How about Adam Jones, though? <laughs> I mean, if you want to go back to 10 years ago, Adam Jones, if you've got a time machine, yeah, sure. But oh, yeah, I, I don't think Jones the option. I, I feel like a time machine would cost you more money than the $3.4 million you could give to Michael Taylor. Uh, so I don't know probably... if that's true, but there's no way of knowing. If, I mean, you, if you want, want like a defensive defense, first center be... fielder, you could get like Juan Lagares. Or Juan Lagares. Yeah, Jared Dyson makes a lot more sense. Jared I mean, Dyson I don't know. They were both. Yeah, I do like Jared Dyson. That's what speed do. But I don't know. I mean, it, these are, you know, last minute things. These are the yeah. last items you check off. And I agree that, I don't know, as Billy many Hamilton. good memories we have of. If we could just sign Michael Taylor for the playoffs, just like sign him on October 1st, Playoff, bring him back yeah, into cool. the organization. Tied for the all-time best hitter in World Series history, Michael A. Taylor. It's yeah. true. 1,000 career batting average, 5,000 career OPS in the World Series. But, yeah, I mean. There's not, there's not much to do in the outfield, though. I mean, no, the, Andrew the three Stevenson, starters are coming back. I like. I want him. Yeah, I like him, too. I mean, he actually hit last year in Fresno. Yeah. Excuse well, me, it was hard not to hit at Fresno. Yeah. Yeah, but he even, did hit above even, average at Fresno, though he ran even a, league adjusted. Yeah, he, he ran a four thirty BABIP. Yeah, what that's is, sustainable. And he hit well when he played. I mean, in pinch hitting this year, not for any power, but he, he no, seemed but to he have good at bats. He will. I mean, he will never have any power. No, but no. I mean, he could be. I could see him as like your your bench lefty if they're sort of up against the cap. Yeah, I mean, he's still, again, he's still got a he still got an option too. These are the last boxes you check off. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, let him win it in, in spring training. Exactly. Sure. I mean, if you don't have anyone else, let him win it in spring training. Uh, or I'm sure there'll be someone around in March who can play center field. Yeah. Uh, That's okay. Last. So now let's so, go to our starting rotation. Because that's a, that's a. I mean, there's one big question mark there. Well, there's two. There's what do you do? There's one big question mark and one small question mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the big question mark is Strasburg. And I still have a hard time believing he won't be back next year. Um, I agree. I think like seventy-five percent chance he's back. Yeah, I think. I, I think every single day that we go, where he's not back, makes me more nervous. Like, I thought something would get done very quickly. I thought something would be. I. It's hard to say that because I think that, had the Nats been eliminated before the end of the World Series, which by the way they won, uh, you can look it up. 
That's true. Uh, yeah, email the rashcast at gmail. Uh, so I think had the Nets had more time to negotiate before the opt-out deadline that they might have been able to get something done in that window. I think it was a really impossible turnaround. I mean, they had the opt-out date was the same day as the World Series parade. So it's kind of hard to negotiate, uh, especially when both your starting pitcher that you're trying to negotiate with and your GM are pretty drunk. Uh, so kind of difficult negotiating territory there. But he's on the market now. He's a free agent now. He can solicit uh, offers from other teams. And there is there is a dollar amount. I mean, listen, Strasburg is now nine years post Tommy John. He had a great track record of health this year, but he's had a bad track record of health for most of his career. Uh, he's been extraordinarily effective when he's pitched, but uh, he's also lost a tick or two of velocity. I mean, he's shown he can be effective, but uh, he's going to command a $200 million plus dollar deal. I'm not sure that's I'm true. I'm not sure of that, no. I, I don't might, know. But he might. Know he might he get up... He might get a $200 million deal. Uh, and you've got this other option in Garrett Cole, who, you know, we're talking maximum of $5 million extra a year, uh, who's several years younger, who uh, has thrown 200-plus innings in a season three out of the last four years. I think it might even be four out of the last five. Uh really only 2016 in his career where he hasn't uh he's durable he throws really really hard uh he loves scott boris which big plus that's yeah. true we love uh, and so does steven strasberg although steven strasberg is the only client to disobey scott boris by negotiating an extension so i think i mean there's an argument to be made that if a guy opts out of a contract that you sign, that it's probably not a great idea to re-sign him, uh, just in general, and specifically with Strasburg, that there are you know pretty big white red flags. But on the other hand, if Strasburg can stay healthy, uh, you know there's there's a non-zero chance that he's a Hall of Famer at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and uh you know beyond that he's your first overall draft pack he's the one who stayed you know he's so identified with this franchise he's gone through so many iterations of himself you know there's so much attached to steven strasberg that that just makes me think that a deal will get done and that you kind of have to do it yeah i would i think a deal gets done i think the odds are that for all the reasons you said, teams aren't going to be jumping all over him. Maybe, maybe, like, somebody like San Diego goes crazy for him and says, come home to San Diego, here's six years and $185 million. Um, and, and, you know, the Nationals just say, look, we can't do it. We wish you all the best. Um, and and which, which I think is a fine answer. I think if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. But I think, I think it very likely he comes back. Like, he sold his house in San Diego, bought one in Washington, his family's there. His kids are there. He told Boris, I want to stay there and get the deal done in 2016. And I can't imagine that anything's happened since then that would make him you know, want to yeah. leave any more than he did then. I agree. Maybe but, he just really hates success. 
Yeah, wants to he go lo- to San Diego. He loves to lose. He loves uh-huh. to be bad. Well, there will be plenty of opportunity for that in San Diego if he wants it. This is one thing I will say, though. I feel confident that the Nats are either going to get Strasburg or Cole, one or the other. Because if they don't get Strasburg... I think the Nets, they've put themselves in this position where basically a good offseason for them means signing two of the top three available free agents, whichever two you want. Uh, and I'm very much partial to, if you're going to let Rendon walk, getting Strasburg and Cole and building a mega death rotation. Uh, because it would be very fun. I think it's a terrible idea. I don't think that you can close the door on Austin Voth like that. <laughs> Austin Voth can be around. I mean, they're going to need relievers, and they're, they've already spent all their pitcher money on starters. So if Voth can just handle any innings that the starters can't, then he's still got a job. Yeah, so let's uh, talk about Voth a little bit, because now our next question, the lowercase question, starter. is with the fifth starter. Because we have three options back there. And it's probably going to come from in-house, either Voth, Ross, or Fetty. And at times yeah. in the last season, each of them looked good. I mean, there was that stretch where Fetty and Ross carried the rotation, or the back end of the rotation when Scherzer was down. Um, and then both towards in September looked really solid. Um, and so, you know, you can... The, the biggest question, though, is all those guys are out of options next year. you got to choose one. Maybe one goes in your bullpen, and then one of them is probably going to get traded. Yeah, uh, that's probably true because I and Andrew would know this I think that Ross and Fetty are both out of options and Voth is not all three of them are out of options Voth is as uh, well Voth is as well Voth made his Voth made his debut in 2018 but he'd been on the he'd been on the 40 man for a while I gotcha he's 27 and he was drafted in 2013 so if they're all three out of options yeah one of them's gonna go one of them's I mean you could always do something else with your fifth starter. You could always sign another guy, especially if if they're not going to be capable of being your depth because they're all out of options and you can't just stash them somewhere. Uh, on the other hand, you do have that 26th man roster spot. Exactly. Uh, you, you may be able to hide both of them in your bullpen, especially given that the, the Nats bullpen is terrible uh, and has absolutely no pieces in it. I mean, right now, it's got... Three guys who are probably going to be in it in Doolittle, Suero, and Rainey. And I trust exactly one of them. Uh, so, and it's Rainey. Obviously. you got to trust Rainey. When Future you have a closer fastball, that fast. When you've got a goatee like that, it's hard to argue with. Well, I probably just don't want to. Because, Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to have to stare at that goatee. Uh, but uh, I think... There are other ways to go, but I mean the way I see this going down is you have a you have a competition in March, uh, and I would imagine that the way it's going to go is the competition in March. One guy wins the job, one guy gets thrown in the bullpen, and one guy gets dealt for some other piece that the Nats need. Yeah. So here's here's how I think about it going down. I think first to your point about depth. The Nationals are finally at a point where their actual prospects are becoming close to the majors. So their depth is now actually substantive guys as opposed to guys they picked up off the scrap heap. You know, I think your number six starter next year is Will Crow, who's their number four prospect. Mm-hmm. I think number seven could well be Sterling Sharp, or it's probably still Kyle McGowan, who does have an option left. 
Uh, but but the starting pitching depth is definitely getting better, especially as as guys like Sharp move up through the minors. Tim Kate, Jackson Rutledge in a few years. But Voth and Fetty were the the Kate and Crow of years past. Like Voth, I, I think Voth was never quite as good a prospect. Fede, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, Fede, frankly, like busted a little bit, but. Uh, the point pick. is that I think you're gonna have you're not gonna have Jeremy Guthrie's at least you know next year unless there's some some pretty unforeseen injuries. Bring him back. But so, I, I think <laughs> I think the way this plays out is I think the only two who really put themselves incredible uh, in in a position to credibly compete for that rotation spot are Voth and Ross. I, I think that even when he was good in rotation, he was like striking out as many guys as he walked. He yeah, was, it was he smoke was, and mirrors. Yeah, it was he was on a high, it was a high wire act. So I, I think what what happens is first day of spring training, Fede's a reliever. I, I think you see if you can't get that slider and sinker to to work in the bullpen. I know they've tried it before and it was it, with some initially promising results in the minors and then not good in the majors. So maybe you give him a full spring training to see how it works, uh, and then if he's if it's not clicking, I think you got to deal him. And then I think Voth and Ross compete for that fifth starter spot, and I think the losers of the bullpen is your long man. Yeah. And I, I for one, am probably too in, but am very in on, uh, on Voth. I, I think I mean his he was worth a full win last year in forty innings, um, which I'm not gonna say he's a five win starter because he's not. But <laughs> it, it gives you a lot of room to fall if you want him to be a two win starter. Um, his his fastball velocity is way up the from where it was in the past few years. He was throwing you know 93, 94, 95. Um, he, he's got nice secondary stuff. He's got great command. Um, he he walked like two guys per nine in the minors in in you know a pretty incredible hitters park. So I I think he's a he's a good pitcher. I, I think that he would be a, a pretty credible rotation option. And yeah, I, I think was, I think I Ross is too, by. just because now he's got that that curveball to be his sort of. His Corbin S curveball to play off his to be the changeup to his slider. Right. I think that was the third pitch he always needed, and so I, I'm hopeful about him as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we're talking about a fifth starter spot here, uh, and with the four starters that the Nets hopefully will already have, assuming they get one of Cole or Strasburg, and probably Strasburg, uh, like they don't need a fifth starter who's going to be. They they can they can take a lottery ticket as their fifth starter and hope that both are Ross rounds into form as maybe an above average pitcher but if they're below average slightly below average uh it's fine yeah got enough starting pitching to deal with my feeling just real quick i think both is a better pitcher of all three but Mm -hmm. i also and i I think he's the best starter but i also think he'd be the best out of the bullpen Mm -hmm. and it just depends ross is pitching the bullpen he just did not look good at all in the bullpen uh i know it's early season he kind of returned to form later in the season but that's a lot because he got moved back to the starting rotation. I think both his stuff plays well in the bullpen. His fastball gets swing and miss. Um, and I think that would... I, I was really interested in seeing him pitch in the bullpen in the playoffs, and I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see it. Um, but I think Stupid he's... Stupid starters kept going seven innings. Yeah. It was garbage. It's garbage. No, even like the garbage time games. Like, throw them in, see what you got. Um, but I think that um, with... The bullpen, I, I think both would be an interesting choice to see what you got there um, as a reliever. I think, I mean, Ross in terms of pitch mix is definitely the more sort of plausible bullpen option. Guy's got 
two, now maybe three pitches. And you would think he would be dynamite against righties, you know, like a Rugi type. But that hasn't really shown to be true. So I don't know. Uh, moving on, because this is running insanely long. Uh, it's all good content. That's why. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm We're sure having banter, people, which everyone's going to love. People are going to stick around for the two hours of this. Uh, I guess the next thing we would talk about, the last thing we would talk about in terms of positional need is the bullpen, which is the biggest positional need for yes. the Nats. Who needs uh, a bullpen? We had the worst bullpen in baseball last year. Exactly. Just series. have two pitchers pitch the entire – I mean, that, that's all you need. Exactly. Just ride Sean Doolittle and a Daniel Hudson to be named later until they die. Uh, but yeah, they, they have about four or five bullpen spots they need to fill. And this bullpen options, the bullpen options, at least on the free agent market are not good. There are no good Uh, relievers. Well, yeah, all relievers are dead now, but even beyond that, uh, we're looking at, you know, the top options being Will Harris and Will Smith and Smith got off with the QO and I got to imagine he's going to accept it. Because it's either get $18 million from the Giants or uh, be the only reliever burdened with the QO when you're not really thought of as that ace-closer type. Yeah. I just, there's no chance to me that he doesn't accept the qualifying offer. I agree. I mean, you still have Daniel Hudson out there who was great for us. Um, and, you know, signing like Harrison Hudson, I mean, those like the going to probably be the two top relievers on the market. And that fills out a bullpen well. But again, it's going to be, you know, hard to get a good bullpen from the free agency market this year, and you might have to make some interesting trades. I mean, we were talking earlier about maybe trading for one of the raised thousands of relievers. Um, you know, they don't have be, to name them. Yeah, we're going to name them. One second, I'm googling their roster. Or, or maybe depending on what the Indians do, maybe getting Brad Hand. I don't know what kind of, you know, trade could get him. It might be a bit of a bit much. But there might be a few options out there on the trade market. Um, well, it wouldn't have to be hand. They also have Adam Simber available yeah. if you wanted him. Like, there are options. Yeah. You can figure something out. So, there are a few options. It's just going to be hard because, again, there are no good relievers. Yeah. And there are no good relievers on the free agent market or just in general. In general. Every bullpen was terrible last year. And it's because of overusage. Yes, and that is why I'm very concerned about Will Harris, because Harris was used to death in the in the playoffs. He's not a guy with blow you away type of stuff. Uh, and frankly, I mean, listen, the pitch he made to Howie Kendrick, and this was a big subject of debate on Twitter this week. Uh, and I know everyone loves it when we relitigate Twitter fights on this podcast. But the pitch that he made to Howie Kendrick was perfect or very good at the very least. It was right on the corner, 91 on the cutter. Uh, The perfect pitch to get a ground ball from a guy with a swing like Kendrick's. Except Kendrick somehow managed to not pull off it, and and he did pretty much the only thing you could do with that pitch, which is pull it down the right field line, or push it down the right field line. I mean, it was was a perfect pitch and just a really good swing by Howie Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, But... I mean, I would be concerned with Harris's workload uh, when he's a guy who, you know, doesn't have that great stuff. He's very much in the Mark Melanson mold. Uh, and Melanson got $60 million 
from the Giants in 2017 and then immediately started having arm issues. So, I mean, not that you can say that that's definitively going to happen, but the point is, like, I'm not really all that comfortable with any of the relievers on the free agent market right now. And, yeah, I mean, and that's definitely need at least two arms to fix their bullpen. Yeah. So, I, I think there right. so I, I think we're all in agreement that there's gonna be at least one trade. I, it's hard to imagine they wouldn't acquire at least somebody. But I think the sort of benefit of, of how bad their bullpen's been is that Nowhere to go but up. Exactly. And so they are fortunate in that a lot of the teams that are really good at developing relievers and have really deep bullpens have like subsequent forty man issues and are totally full up and have guys who get squeezed off. So I, I think if you come knocking to the Yankees, to the Rays, maybe even to the Padres, and and you know, see if, if they're having some 40-man issues and see if you can't scoop up you know, one of their relievers, uh, I, I, I'm hopeful that you could find something useful. I mean, people forget that um, Adam Kolarek was traded from the, the Rays to the Dodgers this year and then played a huge role in the playoffs as sort of the Juan Soto like handler. Uh, and they, you know, they gave up like an 18th round pick who's 22 in high A. Um, you can get somebody who maybe is not a primo reliever, but you know somebody who can throw up like a, a three six ERA and be like your your seventh or eighth inning guy. Um, hopefully for a prospect that's not too painful to part with. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think there's opportunity for that. Do you think that either Elias or Strickland uh, get tendered a contract? Elias, yes. Strickland, no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I I think it's probably right that you can't really judge Elias based on four innings with the Nats. Uh, but they were four pretty terrible innings. And he's the one who got himself hurt being an idiot. Uh, I would not I, tender him if I were tendering him on the basis of being smart at bunting and running. But I would tender him on the basis of I think he's like a, a perfectly okay lefty. Yeah. Well, but he's not a lefty who can generally get lefties out. I mean, even before last year, he didn't have reverse splits, but he was pretty even. I just, if you're looking for a lefty who can get lefties out, I don't know that he's the best fit, but again, the Nats need so many relievers. Yeah, I think they just need a guy who's got the arm and throws baseballs. Yeah, they can't really afford to be cutting people out of their bullpen. Except for Andre Strickland. Except for Andre Strickland. Yeah, he's being set adrift on a little raft. I still can't believe he wasn't the one who brought the MAGA hat up. But I guess it's mostly because Donald Trump didn't want to meet him. Yeah. Because uh, he sucks. He does. Uh, I don't know that Donald Trump was on his Fangraphs page being like, mm, too homoprone. <laughs> I don't know. Too susceptible I mean, to lefties. Trump had a lot of very specific anecdotes to, to mention about Nats players. I mean, obviously they were mostly written for him. But it was really funny when he tried to pronounce... First of all, he perseverated for like a whole minute and a half on Astrubal Cabrera's double play in Game 7 as if it was like some amazing play. <laughs> because he had never... Obviously, clearly didn't watch the game. Obviously. Uh, but then, I can't remember. How did he pronounce Astrubal Cabrera? It was uh, really I funny. Astrubal. That's how he pronounced it. Astrubal Cabrera. I think you were the only person who watched this. And I, yeah. I can't account for that choice. I made a very bad decision, and yes. then I was mad about it for like a whole day. Hold on, one one question for you guys. Maybe you don't know this, but what's the deal about how arbitration eligible players' contracts are not fully guaranteed? So remember when, yes. when the Nationals cut Derek Norris? Mm-hmm. Um, once they signed Weeders, 
it, his his contract was not fully guaranteed. That's it was, correct. It, was it because he was like somehow like arb eligible and had signed an arbitration like one year deal? Yes. So if you sign an arbitration deal, and I actually do know this, so uh, you're in. That's luck. why you're the lawyer. Yes, obviously. Hey, I mean, my uh, my cousin, unrelated to anything, actually participated in the uh, the two lane arbitration arguing thing a couple years ago. Hmm. Uh, so he would probably be the best person to ask. But the way that it works is once you tender someone a contract, you have, uh, I think it's until midway through spring training, uh, and they are only guaranteed uh, up until like the middle of spring training, one sixth of their contract, uh, and then you can cut them. Uh, and then after that, the contract becomes fully guaranteed. Uh, so that's certainly not like the, the Nets did that with Sammy Solis, this exact. Uh, mm. So they they cut him on the day that uh, had they cut him the day after he would have been guaranteed the full nine hundred thousand. But they cut him the day before and only had to pay him one hundred and seventy thousand or something like that, because only one sixth of his deal was guaranteed. So, so I wonder that, if they might do that with with Elias and Strickland, and then see if they can't if they've got maybe any fixes in mind or something, and see if they can't get them to a place where they're comfortable. And if not, you're cutting them for, I mean, what's one sixth of, of it's like a hundred and twenty thousand. Right. Yeah, I, I could see them doing that. I mean, if they did it with Solis, who they really clearly had no intention of keeping around, then they could do it with Strickland, Elias. Uh, Math correction: one sixth of one point nine is not one hundred twenty thousand. It's like three hundred k, but that's fine. Eh, math is fake anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think we've done enough on Nats talk. Yeah. Uh, so the the next topic, I guess, is just doing rapid fire. We're gonna go through the top twenty, uh, as rated by MLBTR, free agents and. Uh, we're going to go with prediction of uh, team, term, and dollar amount. So obviously the first guy is Garrett Cole. Uh, MLBTR has him to the Angels, eight years, 256. Where are you all putting him? That feels just about right to me. I mean, I, I think the Angels are the odds-on favorite. He's a California guy. There's been word about him wanting to go out west. Um, the Angels are, are finally deciding to spend money to support the best player in the history of baseball. Um, though they won't go so far as to cut the worst player in the history of baseball right now, Albert Pujols, uh, and instead just want him to be a, a sucking black hole in their lineup. But I, I think he obviously deserves the biggest contract for a starting pitcher ever. Um, yep. Eight yeah. two fifty six feels right about right for me. And I mean, I could frankly, I could see it being maybe even a little over that. Though that's maybe that's only if there's two really dedicated suitors in a bidding war. But I, I think the Angels are odds on favorite and eight years is what he's going to get yeah the problem for me is that like every single team in baseball should be interested in garrett cole he i mean he's the best pitcher in baseball right now there are no real problems like there's there's not a single red flag with him uh and he's i mean he's obviously going to win the cy young this year he's it just doesn't make sense because there's all these big market teams who seem to be saying, oh, there's no way that we could, you know, open up our, our pocket. Like the, 
the Dodgers and the Yankees should absolutely be in on a player like Garrett Cole. What was the last time a Dodgers and Yankees signed a major free agent outside of the organization? AJ Pollock. Yeah, yeah, AJ Pollock was pretty big. Sure. The, what the about Yankees, the Yankees? What was the last time the Yankees signed a major free agent? I guess Masahiro Tanaka. Tanaka or Ellsbury. They don't. That's not. Hasn't been their MO for the past half decade. I but mean, it should be. It. This isn't like a. And you this could, you could certainly luxury. argue that trading for Stanton was a similar type of move. Sure. That's true. But they, they got the Marlins to pay down some of that contract. They got a pretty reasonable discount uh, on a guy who was the MVP. Uh, and they didn't give up anything in prospects. But, uh, I mean, this is not a luxury for a team like the Yankees. The Yankees absolutely need starting pitching. And this is the best starting pitcher available. And there, there are dozens of teams who don't have, like, the Rangers should be in on Cole. The Astros should obviously still be in on Cole. Like, there's no reason the Astros are just resigned to let him walk. The Astros are getting pretty squeezed. I mean, they're handing out some pretty hefty raises to a lot of their roster. They don't have a lot of room. But they're also, I mean, they're... Like, in, I agree in the sense that, like, these are billionaires who should pay their players. But well, in terms it's not of just that. the losing perspective, they're they still incredibly, like, they... They're coming off a World Series appearance, which it's not the $40, $50 million the Nats made from actually winning the thing, but they made a pretty hefty chunk of change from that. They're in a giant market. Houston's the fourth largest market in baseball. Uh, and they're still, they weren't even top five in payroll this year. Uh, and, I mean, if you're serious about this idea that, and I know that no teams are, that you, you know, were... 30th, 30th, 29th, and 30th from 2012 to 2015 in payroll so that you could carry some of that money forward. I know no teams are serious about that, but that's sort of the the justification. They should have plenty of money to spend to keep this team competitive and together for the next, you know, three or four years at least. I mean, I know that, that Springer and Correa, you know, have two more years left. Uh, there are two guys, but I mean, th- there's no reason why the Astros should just be resigned to letting Cole walk in terms of the economics, uh, in terms of the need. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I, I think that Garrett Cole makes sense for about 25 of the 30 teams. Uh, and the fact that I can really only think of one team that's likely to sign him two if the Nats can't at Strasburg. I, I have a different team signing him. Who do you have? I'm still going to California. I'm going south to San Diego. Mm. That would be fascinating. I and think definitely... San Diego, I mean, they've shown they want to spend money. They've spent money in the past. You know, they sent Hosmer. Hosmer is not looking good. I think they're going to, I mean, they're, they're interested in signing Strasburg, so they're definitely interested in adding starting pitching. I think Garrett Cole is, is a team I think the Padres for Garrett Cole are a very perfect fit for one another. Padres, well, he's the type of guy who could take this team to the next step. You know, Cole, Paddock, um, you know, with the rest of that Mackenzie young Mackenzie Gore, Anderson Espinosa, if he survives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I yeah. mean, he's a guy who can, ele- can move your window up until 2020 even to make the playoffs. 
I don't. I mean, the Dodgers are still really, really good. Yeah, uh, they took a wild card spot. Not that good because they lost the Nationals in the playoffs. Exactly. Really? And then what did the Nationals end up doing? I don't know. They swept the up. NLCS and they won the World Series. Really? Really? People fascinating. That. Fascinating. You know, I don't think people are talking about it enough. Yeah. I know we're all doing this this rosterbation episode, but like, <laughs> it was a week ago yesterday that the Nats were holding a parade for their World Series championship, and I feel like we should take a little more time to bask in that. We've Good mentioned Lord. it like eight times on yeah, this Yeah, we've podcast. talked about it like many times in this episode. Yeah, I Bask. think we're basking appropriately. Bask yeah. in the glory but of the anyway, championship. Anyway, back to right, Garrett let's, Cole let's... and the Padres. I think, you know, you kind of have to move past, do what the Angels haven't been able to do with Albert Pujols, and not necessarily view Eric Hosmer as dead money, but you have to move past it and say this was a sunk cost. We have to keep adding in order for this team to actually be good. Let's get Garrett Cole. I think I think yep. that's going to be if, an interesting fit for, for if Cole. they're willing to if they're willing to go beyond 130 million in payroll, uh, then yeah, it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Yeah, uh, so that's my prediction. Okay, right, let's let's move on because we can't spend 20 minutes on everyone. But I changed no. my prediction to the White Sox. Don't ask me any questions about it. Let's move on. No, all right, White Sox. White Sox I my like backup it. pick actually. So, actually, the White Sox are one of my top three picks for Rendon, because I could totally see that happening. Same. Uh, although that, I mean, I, I don't know. All right. Where do you have Rendon going? Okay, Rendon. Uh, the MLBTR has Nats two year, or seven years, 235. Uh, I would take the Nats over the field, but the field over the Nats at so this point. So pick a team. Nats. Okay, I just Nats. did. Okay. I say Nats too. I say Atlanta. Let it burn. Oh, uh, no. Boo. Boo. Yeah, they're not spending 200. You think Liberty Media is going to spend $235 million on one player? Yes, they're going to do it to spite us. No. Yeah, I don't think they care about spite. They're a they're giant test- faceless corporation. They're testing my personal faith. <laughs> well, I would be shocked. Uh, Strasburg. Nats. They've got Nats six years, 180. I'm going to go Nats six years, 180. I agree. I'm going to go Nats uh, is six years, 186, but uh, Scherzer-style deferrals. So half of it deferred for the six years after the deal. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Strasburg had a whole bunch of deferred money uh, left on his deal when he opted out. I don't know what happens to that. The way that works, I, I'm pretty confident in this, is that it's sort of – you can think of it as like accruing with each year he plays. So think about Scherzer's deal, like if Scherzer had opted out. So he makes – he is set to make $15 million for each of the – uh, you know, seven years of his deal plus seven years afterwards. If he had like opted out after year four, he'd have made 15 million for each of those four years, and then he would make the 15 million more that was deferred in the following four. So Strasburg is getting whatever deferrals that account for the first whatever this was three years of his deal in the next three years after um, after this. That sounds about right. All right, so number four, and now we're getting back to the the guys we haven't talked about at all. Zach Wheeler. They've got Phillies five years, one hundred. A uh, hundred for Wheeler seems way too high. To I me. think there's gonna be a lot of teams that want to fix him. Um, not like he's shown moments of greatness, but he has plus stuff, and I think there's a lot of teams that are gonna take a risk on him. So I think who's gonna sign him is the Astros, who have shown in the past, you know, the willingness to and the ability to kind of bring out the best in pitchers. Um, yeah, especially guys like Wheeler, who mm-hmm. are uh, high spin rate fastball, high velocity fastball right-handers. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I wasn't thinking Astros, but now I am. So I'm going to say Astros, and I am going to say 
three years, fifty million. I, I think I, that you are extremely light on that. Yeah, I, think I think that he that is too. going. Let me let me give just like a random team. So I'm gonna say I don't know. I, I say he go to the Yankees, um, but I think I, I think Johnny's exactly right. I think he's a such an analytics darling. Uh, I, I think people say he's they can fix him. He's also really young. He'll pitch next year at 29. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he gets I think he gets some good term. I think he gets some good money. I yeah. think uh, I think five years, 110 to the Yankees. I say five. I just, he's got the injury history. I don't think he's regarded as a star. I just don't see him getting. He was a four. He was a four win pitcher each of the last two years. He's Strasburg light. He's an analytics darling, but again, two and a half years missed with Tommy John. You never know when that's going to come back up. Uh, and I just, he's not in the conversation. For, he was he was the third best starter on his own team last year. I just, I don't. Yeah, probably second. If Cinder Garden DeGrom were free agents, I'd be giving them a lot more money. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would be shocked. Just, just compare him to Patrick Corbin. That, but Patrick Corbin was coming off like one of the best years of his career. He wasn't in a market with two absolute aces, like unquestioned aces. And I just I just don't see it happening. Uh, okay, moving on. Josh Donaldson. They've got Rangers, three years, 75. And I agree. I think it's, I think it's contingent on whether the Nats re-sign Rendon because I do see the Rangers as a pretty big threat in that capacity. I think uh, the Rangers will think... jump on Donaldson early and get him. I, think I can see it happening. I think he fits a need uh, for them. I think we're probably looking at two years, sixty million over three years, seventy-five. I think teams are going to want higher AAV, lower term on Donaldson, uh, just because he's already thirty-five or thirty-four years old. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think Donaldson to the Phillies, three seventy-two. I can totally sense. see that happening too. Yep. That's their biggest position of need, apart from pitching, is third base. I could see them spending money, and it's the same thing they did with McCutcheon. And that would have worked out if yeah, he hadn't torn, torn his ACL. ACL and then completely tanked their entire season. Yeah, McCutcheon. Uh, I can't believe they just completely collapsed after they lost him, but it was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, It was good. I'm glad it happened. Yeah. Uh, and now I really don't care what happens with the Phillies this year. Like, if they're good and they make the playoffs – it's fine by me. Like I, I, am, I don't. I'm very zen now. Yeah, no exactly. matter what happens, I am at peace. Because the Nats won the 2019 World Series. That's true. Look it up. Uh, okay, Madison Bumgarner. They've got twins, four years, 72. I have no idea. I haven't gone uh, to Texas. Go Rangers. Yeah, I think Rangers are going to make this, a big splash this offseason, um, opening a new ballpark. I think, you know, with Minor and Lynn in that rotation, adding Bumgarner really makes it three man three-man deep and can really compete in the AL, not necessarily, you know, past the Astros, but maybe. I mean, who knows what the Astros will be with only Verlander and Granke next year in the rotation and a lot of question marks afterwards. Um, I think Texas may be able to make a big jump next year um, if they really add offense and add, you know, Bumgarner. I think that's going to be their MO. Yeah, they won 77 games last year. I mean, they got career performances out of Lynn and Minor, but... I don't know. I mean, the, there are still two teams in the AL West that are better than them. But I would like a team that maybe doesn't have the guns to win 100 games, try and spend money and compete and deliver a competitive product. Uh, and I think if any team's going to do that, it's the Rangers moving into the new ballpark. 
So yeah, I agree, Rangers. Stop agreeing with me. Think for yourself. I no. I think he's joining Garrett Cole on the south side, White Sox. Ooh. Okay. No one said Atlanta, uh, which is the, probably the favorite right now. I'm creating yeah. a chaos world in my predictions. Mm. All right, I'll switch to Atlanta then. Uh, Ooh. Atlanta. Peer pressure. I don't know. If He's kind of the biggest asshole still remaining in sports, so I feel like he'd do well in Atlanta. Yeah. Are we going to do a spring training episode where we, we revisit these predictions? Sure. Yeah, we probably should. Yes, amazing. All right, I'm going to go off the rails with them now. <laughs> Swing for the fences. Hey, if you're right, it's going to be a big... Uh, Everyone's been very impressed. Uh, all right, Yasmani Grandal, Reds, four years, 68. I think the contract's right. I think... Uh, fuck. Let's go with the Angels. I think they're going to... If they spring to bring in Cole, they're going to spring to bring in Grandal, too. I agree with the Reds. I think... Cincinnati, you know, they, they traded for um, Bauer for a reason. They want to go for it again this year um, while well, they still have him. I think Grandal, they have a hole at catcher that they haven't been able to fill in a while. You know, I think Grandal will come back home to Cincinnati. I think 460, he goes back to Milwaukee. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, if Milwaukee wants to spend, he's, they, they still they have a hole They cut things, they're looking to spend somewhere. Maybe, or they just cut things. Yeah. Well, there's uh, no way of knowing. Yes, these are all unknowables, which is why these predictions <laughs> everything, are really... Everything is a mystery. There's, you can't prove anything. Well, and there's so many moving parts. I, like These predictions are really hard to make, which is why I think we may stop after 10. No, let's do 20. Uh, I have 20. I made 20. Okay, Let's we do have 20. 10 and then like three random ones across the top 50. Okay, fine. Okay, I'll just scroll down and pick just a guy pick random. Just pick random people. Okay, Nicholas Castellanos. Uh, they've got White Sox, sure. four years, 58. Uh, Johnny says, sure. I say back to the Cubs because uh, he was really good for them. I think he's bad. I think he is just not like that good of a player. I agree. But I think he, I think he goes and replaces Marcelo Zuna in St. Louis. Three, um, what do they got on him right now? Four and 58. I think like 340. He's not good defensively, which is why I think it's odd that only Johnny said American League. But... Uh, like, I don't Look, know. Look, I'm firing from the hip here. I'm not thinking about things like... I thought you did research, team. man. I did research on the National. I didn't do research on the other teams. I'm not an other teams fan. <laughs> I didn't write for the other teams blog. <laughs> the other teams blog. That's a great name for a blog. All right, Hyunjin Ryu. I think this is interesting. Uh, they've got Rangers, three years, 54. And I could totally see it. I could totally see the Rangers just loading up on mid-range starting pitching in this market because there's a lot of it yeah this is a pretty deep pitching market i see uh, i see where you're resigning with la um i don't know yeah they seem... i mean he doesn't have the qo but again he's got the long injury history I mean, yeah. this is his first healthy full season since 2014 so the the dodgers have always resigned their guys and i think they will keep doing it i agree i think he's i think he's staying in la but i think he gets more money than this i think yeah. Give me uh, how is he old? How old is he? Thirty three. Yeah. Okay, all right. Give me give me three sixty three. Okay, I can dig it. All right, Jake Odorizzi, rounding out our top ten. This says I'm going back to the Twins. Three years, fifty one. Sure. I have uh, him he, going to the Angels. This is who they sign. <laughs> when they whiff on, they on go Cole. all in. No, I, yeah, I mean, I, get, I have them getting Odorizzi, and I have them getting Keuchel. You know, kind of fill out the rotation elsewhere. 
I think if they miss on Cole, then they'll sign a bunch of you know. But pretty they good guys. they had such bad luck going yeah, with the mid. But they signed last year. Harvey and um, Kate. Who was it? Cahill. Trevor Cahill. Yeah, yeah those aren't good players. They, got they gave them twenty five million dollars yeah, because they're together. stupid. So why do you Fair think enough. they're going to be smart now? I mean, Odorizzi is probably not very. It's hard to say because Odorizzi somehow thrived with a really high fly ball rate last year when every fly ball was going out of the ballpark. So you could argue that he would be helped by a juice, an unjuiced ball or that he would be hurt because he's not going to get that lucky again. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that he's actually good. Uh, I think he I, stays in Minnesota, but I think he gets four years. That's like a lot of years. I just, I don't know. There's so many other starting pitchers on the market. I just don't see, I could see him, like, I could see him getting two years and, and 25 mil. Uh, I don't think, I think you guys are betting too high. Uh, I think we we got to remember here that we're still in the midst of the quasi-capital strike uh, when mid-tier free agents get squeezed. Yeah, but even the mid-tier, all... the top guys. Jake Odorizzi is not a top guy. I didn't say he'd make that He's technically here. a top guy. Yeah. Top men. Uh, I don't know. I just... I mean, I see I what mean, the market Marwin Gonzalez, Marwin Gonzalez was, I think, in a similar spot on the free agent rankings last year as Odorizzi, and he got 2-21. and 21. And he went to the Twins, just like I'm saying Odorizzi's going to. Yeah, Boom. so I'm going to say Odorizzi, Twins, 225. Uh, all right. People. Let's do the, let's do the next ten lightning round. Just right, team right, team, team yeah. term. Yeah. Team, Ozuna. Like, team in contract. Cardinals. Marcelo Zuna. Cardinals three uh, three fifty. Cardinals two thirty. Indians three forty eight. I like it. All right, Didi. They have Reds three forty two. I've got uh, Rangers two twenty five. I've got Yankees. I don't even know if that makes sense. No, that doesn't make any sense. The Rangers have a shortstop. shortstop. Although they could move. Screw it. Yeah, they could move Gregorius to second and kill Rudin Yeah, you know what? I'm not. No backsies. Rudin Odor is terrible, and they should move on from him. I have him taking a one-year 115 from the Yankees. 228 to the Nats. Okay. I like it. Will Smith. uh, They've got Twins 342. I've got him accepting the qualifying offer, coming back to the Giants 118. Yeah, I, I don't see him not taking the QO. Agreed. All right, Dallas Keuchel. Why, they've got White Sox, three years, 39. I've got him coming back to the Braves on a three-year, 39. I got Angels, three years, 36. I think San Diego, 225. Cool. Don't explain it. We don't have time. <laughs> Cole Hamels. They've got Braves, two years, and 30. I've got... Crap, I don't know. I got Phillies Re- two years, 28. That sounds right. I'm going to do that. Uh, Brewers, one year, 12 million. Okay. Uh, Jose Abreu, they've got White Sox two years, 28. I'm going to say White, White Sox two years, 20. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, White Sox three years, 36. Sure, why not? All right, Michael Pineda. <laughs> Uh, Michael Pineda is apparently number 17 on this list. They've got him Brewers, two years, 22. I'm going to say re-signs with the Twins. No, because it ended badly. Angels, one year, 15 mil, and it ends badly. Yeah, I've got Brewers, one year, 12 mil. 
Um, Angels, one year, eight mil. Cool. Uh, Mike Moustakis. They've got Braves, two years, 20. I'm going to say Braves, one year, 13 million. I think he finally gets his multi-year deal. I think he gets three years from the Braves for 34, or 36. Uh, I think 222 Atlanta sounds right to me. Cool. Uh, Kyle Gibson is 19th? Yeah, this, Jesus Christ. it gets really thin. We're really grasping at straws here. Uh, okay, they've got Cubs, two years, 18, the Jason Hamill special. Sure, why not? It sounds right. Yeah, I was going to say, I said Cubs, and I checked back, and they also had Cubs, so we're in agreement. Uh, I think he's the one who goes down to Texas. Rangers, uh, I don't know, 218, whatever. And last but not least, yes. definitely not least, it's our boy Tanner Roark. Uh, it's, they've got him Blue Jays, two years, 18 million. I am going to say he goes back to the A's on the same contract that Mike Fires got, which I think was like two years, 12 million. I have him going to the Angels, joining their threesome of Keiko and Odorizzi for three years, uh, 33 mil. Um, I'm going to throw a dart at a board of like semi-rebuilding teams. So let's just say the Mariners for two years and 16 million. All right. I just like do do teams do that anymore? Do teams like bring in Tanner Roarks to mentor their young terrible starters? Who knows what the Mariners are doing? They're just going to be bad for a long time. Yes, and I don't understand that Jerry Depoto got a cult built around him just for doing shit. Even though none of the <laughs> he just shit loves he... to do trades. Jerry Depoto does none cult of the trades make like... the team marginally worse. Ah, uh, yes, and that signed Max Scherzer. <laughs> Well, the thing is that Depoto is like the worst of both worlds for those. It's like he does lots of moves to make his team slightly cheaper and worse, and then also no one sees it. it yeah, doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. No, he just he just does shit. Like it's the cult of insane activist twitch finger GMing. Like, well, it's not even it's not even like a cult. They think he's a good GM. It's it's Twitter people who like him because it makes the off season interesting. That's true. I mean, no one else was doing anything, uh, so I guess you have to love the guy who at least does things even if they don't make any sense at least you can talk about him that is what makes him good yes all right so i, I think we all agreed that the poto should keep his job for a little while sure at i least don't care while, i don't care about the man while we've got no while we've got this capital freeze yeah. like at least to keep the offseason interesting uh, just as a closeout i think this offseason is going offseason is going to be tremendously tremendously boring yes like with so many guys being Boris guys, uh, like with this whole, I mean, you've got a bunch of guys stacked at different positions. Like it just, a bunch of guys stacked the same couple positions, starting pitcher and third base. Uh, I could just see this thing dragging on forever. Like I don't see anything big getting done at the, at the winter meetings. It's going to suck. Uh, and for the rash cast in particular, it's going to suck because we're going to have to find stuff to talk about. And that's going to suck. We'll make uh, it work. Yeah, we'll just have random guests on. You know, I'll grab someone on my floor in my apartment complex and ask them if they know anything about baseball. Or if they don't, you know, I think that would make an interesting episode, too. Yep. But I, I think, think that trades. Be it for it's going to be today. trades. Yeah. Be it could be trades. Eh. Really, the free agent like, class is so light that it's got to be trades. I don't know. If, if it's going to be anything. 
I mean, but maybe when I, I see Syndergaard being traded, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's close it out with two trades you see happening. Okay. Uh, two high-profile trades. Syndergaard I see to the Astros. Syndergaard to the Astros. Yes. Uh, give me one other one. And um, um, you go for another one. I'll come back around to me. Okay. I'm going to say uh, Lindor to the Dodgers. And I'm going to say Bryant. Uh, where's Bryant going to go? Bryant's going to go to the Astros for Correa. And they're going to move yeah, that, I had center guard for Correa. That was my thought. Yeah. I think Starling Marte goes somewhere. I don't know where. And Does that then, even qualify as a big trade anymore? Yes, because I'm trying to be non-cliche. Okay. Uh, and then who are some other players on teams right now? There are a bunch. There's a lot of them. There's roughly however many there are. I could also see um, the Dodgers trading Corey Seager to someone. But I think Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking Lindor to the Dodgers in a package that includes Seager. Yeah. Um, I think the Braves finally make their move. I don't know what it is, but I think they, they, they ignite that pile of powder. They trade one of their many prospects? They trade one of their 1,000 prospects. They Maybe are the Padres, trade one of their 1,000 prospects, and they get somebody big. I don't know. I don't think Brian gets dealt. I don't think Lindor gets dealt either. Yeah, I don't think Lindor but, gets dealt. But somebody's going to have something happen. There's going to be offseason. It's going to be trades and free agency, and that's all there is to it. You'd hope so. There we go. That's the bumper for this episode. <laughs> there will be trades. There will be free agents. <laughs> yep. Name, name all right. the episode. It's going to be offseason. I like it. That's what we're going to call it. Uh-huh. Man, this thing ended up so long. People love it. People are definitely not going to listen to this. All right. Well. <laughs> That'll be it for the Rashcast. Join us probably next week, unless nothing happens, in which case we'll play it by ear. Uh, for Johnny Rash and Andrew Flax, I'm Jacob Rash Don't saying... speak for me. <laughs> it's fine to speak for me. I intend to speak for you. Uh, I speak for all the little people. I speak for the trees. Mm-hmm. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>